What's up, podcast world? We're back. This life ain't for everybody. Do we have a dandy today? Especially if you rode around a truck like I did from around, I don't know, like 96 until now, but really in like the mid 2000s when I was in the portable toilet business, I would ride around and listen to this man's music like it was going out of style. And this is what I'm always talking about with music is can it stand the test of time? And today's artist, today's guest is a hell yes. Another episode brought to you by our friends and family out of Lynchburg, Tennessee. Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, the one and only, the iconic Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. I've drinking a, one or two Jack Daniels listening to this man as soon, you know, as lately as about a month ago, he played a festival close to my hometown in Urington, Nevada, and absolutely tore it down. And like I said a couple minutes ago, this man's music has been in my ears for so long. Rodney Atkins, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good, brother. How are you? Oh, dude. I mean, like, when I met you, I was like, damn, that's freaking Rodney Atkins. And then it's like, you become friends with somebody, and I don't know if it's because of the, you know, the outdoors and the passion in life. I just think it's passion for life, and you, like, you fill it with somebody, and man, just meeting you that night, I could tell that you were as down to earth as they come, and there has been something said about you that I've read and I just wanted to pick your brain about it. You have been called the backbone of country music. When you hear stuff like that, or when somebody quote unquote, like gives you a compliment or kisses your butt, do, does it make you feel weird, Ronnie? Cause you're so humble and you're such a working man's hero. Like the Merle Haggard, the working man blues, it's Ronnie Atkins. That's who you are to me and my family, my brothers, everybody that I grew into country music with. Does it, make you feel weird when you hear stuff like that? Um, you know, I, it's cool for somebody to, to recognize what you do. I, I say, you know, um, I just try to deliver the meat and potatoes <laughs> um, about real life, you know. And uh, I've, I've always tried to strive really hard at making sure songs remain relevant that, you know, I want a song to be relevant not only when you record it, but, you know, 30 years from now. And fortunately, because if I've tried to do something that was kind of timely and, you know, I, I basically didn't want to sing about cell phones or, you know, if you were to sing about a long time ago cassette tapes or eight tracks, kids wouldn't know what you're talking about nowadays. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I appreciate when somebody recognizes you for, in a good way. <laughs> I try not to listen to the critics very much. Where is your, the fan base of Rodney Atkins is the working man, the working woman, blue collar America. Um, your songs have portrayed this for years. Um, there's influential songs. There's motivational songs. If you're going through hell, keep on going. The devil might not even know you're around, you know, get out of it, you know, but you can't stop. You can't give up. You, your career is one of, of a story to me that is so inspirational. What, what do you hear the most, Ronnie? I know that that DJ or somebody said you're the backbone, but what do fans say to you the most? What has been the common theme over the last two decades of Rodney Atkins hearing? Uh, you know, the thing that I hear the most and the thing that I love the most uh, is when people come up and say something that I've, I've recorded, something, they say, that's my song. When they take ownership of it, when they say going through hell got me through the toughest time of my life. Or when they say, watching you, that's me and my son. Um, these are my people. Is our high school graduating class. That's our song. Um, it's when they say, that's my song. That's the ultimate compliment, man. When people relate, when it's not just a, you know, there are hits. There are songs that go up the charts, number ones, ring the bell, go away. Two weeks later, you don't remember. Um, and when people, it still blows me away still going out playing these shows and people are singing every single word. They're singing every, every line from the verses and the choruses. Because um, I'm not... I'm not, there are some singers that get up on stage and they're like, y'all sit there. I'm going to sing at you. Y'all listen to me. I, that doesn't work for me. I didn't even want to be a singer, to be honest with you. I just wanted to write songs. 
And once I realized I could, if I recorded the right kind of songs, then I could go play places and everybody could sing along with me. That's, that's the jam. I think that their, their songwriting is so special to me. I'm so envious of your ability to do it. When do you know that you're a songwriter? Because there's storytellers, there's fiction, there's nonfiction, there's autobiographies, there's biographies, there's Stephen King, there's Clancy, there's all these great authors. I mean, going back to my childhood, Judy Bloom and Super Fudge. I mean, I used to read that stuff like it was going out of style. But writing a song and taking me or anybody in the world, because music is everything to me, to take us there in three and a half minutes, like that's so difficult to me. It's so difficult to piece that together. But then when it all comes full circle, you're like, holy shit, that just encompassed the entire deal. It was an experience. Watching you does that. Going through hell does that. These are my people does that. Going to take a back road does that. I want to get into some of these, but when do you know you have a knack for this? That's really tough, man, because I still... get lost in the process of writing. So I don't know. I just love writing songs. Um, probably some of the times that I played a song for the first time, like I'll never forget playing watching you the first time. And I had just written the song and I was invited to go to Knoxville, Tennessee and play at a welcome back ceremony for uh, soldiers coming back from Iraq. And uh, so I was born in Knoxville, grew up just north of there, uh, a place called Cumberland Gap. So they invited me to come back, went in there, and it was a air, what is that, McGee-Tyson Airport, a hangar out there. A bunch of military people were wearing their, their army clothes, their uniforms, fatigues. And their kids, a lot of the kids had showed up, seeing their kid, parents for the first time in a long time, wearing the same, you know, camo pants and stuff. And I said... Can I just play a new song for y'all? Uh, nobody's heard this yet. I don't know if it's any good. Uh, I just wrote it. And I played Watching You. And when I got to the line about I've got cowboy boots and camo pants, everybody looked at each other, and I could see tears start coming down and people pulling their kids a little bit closer to them. And when people, after that, they came up and said, that's the best song I ever heard. <laughs> um when you know you're relating to some, when you're singing a song and you realize you're taking somebody, they forget where they are, they lose track of time, and they're just kind of in that moment, which that's my definition of a good concert, um, is having a bunch of songs that do that over and over. Uh, I just love songwriting. I love, I love being in the middle of the song. I'm never, it's never about finishing a song. Well, what those army personnel and families were saying is absolutely true. Like, you, I don't, I think that you can write. There's a lot of good songs out there, I should say. I think Brent Cobb, who we've talked about before we come on, is a very special songwriter. But I don't think you can write a better song than watching you. Like the, it hits you, the, the rear view, the nuggets, the cuss word, the camo pants, the boots. I've been watching you, dad, everything that you do. Like if you can't, if you hear that and you don't get blown away by life, and what being a father means and what a son, how a son looks at his daddy, like that is what we're put on earth. We're providers. We are supposed to have that kid looking at us like that in a reflection of ourselves. And that song says it in so many different ways that you're like, gosh, dang it, man. Like that just hits you in the gut like a song is supposed to do. How It's one thing to sing that song because I can sing it at a karaoke bar. But to be able to say you wrote it with your co-writers and you sang it into a number one position on the charts, come on, Rodney Atkins. Like, it doesn't get any better. You could That's your career. Like, you could stop right now, and that's it. You know, the crazy thing about that song is, so, well, where the tune came from, I had recorded my first album on uh, Curb Records, a label I'm still on, and it sold – the album's called Honesty. It sold 10, 15 copies. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to continue to be able to keep making music. Didn't know if the label would let me keep, you know, that's, it's usually just next in line. And uh, so I moved about two hours outside of Nashville to a, a little town called Baxter, out in the woods, 
I got on eBay, I got a laptop and I got a microphone and I got this little gadget uh, interface. So you can pretty much just plug a microphone into your, it was like a $200 mic uh, into your computer. And I said, I'm going to learn how to record. I'm going to figure this out. So I got Pro Tools. I started messing around with it. I was singing in the pantry <laughs> of the house. And first that didn't work because sound was bouncing all over the walls. Um, I went to the barn and I got this stuff we used to take camping. This uh, It looks like you pack eggs in it. You know what I'm talking about? You put it under your sleeping bags. Yeah. I got some of that stuff. I push pinned it into the wall. Uh, had that sitting up there. And the first tune was I'm singing if you're going through hell. And as I'm doing this, my son, who was four, is in the floor behind me, coloring in the coloring book, just being quiet. Didn't think he's paying any attention to what I was doing. Until the next day, I went to pick him up from pre-K. And his teacher, I'll never forget, I walked in, Miss Sarah. She said, I need to talk to you about your boy. I said, what's he done? And she said, well, we got this little routine we do. About lunchtime, I go turn the lights on and off, on and off. And that's a signal for everybody to get in line, be quiet. Once that happens, we go to lunch. Today, I turned the lights on and off. Everybody got in line. It was quiet, just about to go. And then heard a little voice in the back of the line singing, if you're going through hell, keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, watching you. she said, is that one of your songs? I said, yeah, it's a new tune I'm, I'm working on. I said, I'll talk to him. So I did. And uh, later that evening, I uh, put him to bed. And he said, can I ask you a question, Daddy? I said, sure. He said, how come I can't sing that song, but you get to sing that song? I said, it's not about singing the song. It's about being quiet when the teacher says. Um, I had a writing appointment next day with a couple guys uh, and uh, Steve Dean and Brian White. And I went out on the porch that evening and just started writing that song, and it pretty much just kind of fell out. Um, and the crazy thing, I turned it into the label and got no bounce, no response. I was actually told at one point, they didn't think anybody wanted to really hear me sing about my four-year-old saying a four-letter word. Um, and it was pretty for it to go at number one for six weeks and it, it, not toot my own horn. It's just, more, I'm saying this more about, you kind of can't listen to the professionals. That song became the most played song of the decade in all of country music. Um, but it's because I played it live for real people out in the real world. And they said that that was, it. that was the way with mo pretty much most hits that I've had weren't going over with the professionals it was it's more about listening to real people so from 2000 to 2010 watching you is the most played song on country radio i think that's right and it spans no 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 it'd be 2006 to 2000 2006 to 2016 2006 to 2000 and at the same time you have if you're going through hell on that same album that spans an equal amount of time at number one right it was a, like a four-week number one and watching you, then these are my people, then cleaning this gun were all multiple-week number ones. What, what with you knowing about the pantry and you're editing these little sound clips and these songs and what's going through your head? Like, I mean, you're, 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 be there. you're just enjoying it. Just be present, man. Just, it's, it's like building a brick wall. You make that brick level and square and right, then you move to the next one the same thing, move to the next one, and eventually you have a good square brick wall. And that's all I can do is be where I am while I'm doing it. Um, you asked me about songwriting. A long time ago, I got this idea of who I'm singing to, and it's, I'm singing to the rural heart. I've always said that. It's, the rural heart is that thing that, if you're in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, Iowa, wherever, Indiana, you run out of gas, you can walk up to pretty much any house or you break down and they will help you. That's the rural heart that'll do that. But same time, uh, you're in the middle of Manhattan, you're in New York, and like 
62nd and 4th makes no sense to somebody like me, the way I grew up. But I can ask a complete stranger how to get to that place. And a lot of times I've had it happen. They'll take me somewhere and explain to me. That's the real heart, too. It's everywhere. That's what America is. I think that's what people, you know, that's what our soldiers go to go to war over is giving us the freedoms. It's the rural heart. It's That's the farmer's daughter story. It's the rural heart that I'm singing to. Which is another song that should have been number one with a bullet. I think it got to like three or four or something, but I, I've listened to that song probably every day since it came out because you talk <laughs> about a story. I mean, in the whole transition from how you see her to how you talk to her to how you date her to how you marry her, and then it changes with each verse. It's like, I don't know if genius is a word that gets like kicked around, but I think that there's got to be some sort of genius in good songs. There's got to be, right? Like you can't hear that song and not want to be that man. You just can't not want to be working mending fences on that on that farmer's land. You just can't, you don't, you want to be there. It's like Chris Ledoux is out there in the continental divide in Wyoming. And he's on that, that horse and Lane Frost is going to be on a buck and bull that night at Cheyenne frontier <laughs> days. And Rodney Atkins is singing the farmer's daughter. That's America, right? That's the rural heart of like, you can't hear that song and not want to be that cowboy or that ranch hand or that farm hand that's going out to work that day. And he didn't even know that girl existed when he took the job. You know, it's, it's funny. People have asked me, if I'm like, I'll record outside songs and tunes that I wrote. Um, so when people ask me what I'm looking for, the most common theme in a tune that I'm listening for is it's it's big picture about being human, but it's about making a mistake or being in a real shitty situation, pushing through it and getting to a better place because you don't stop. Obviously. Going through hell is about that. Take a back road is about that. Um, these are my people, the line in there about, it ain't always pretty, but it's real. Watching you is about cussing and praying. Um, farmer's daughter is about having that job that you're, you're hating, but you stick with it and you get the girl. And that's kind of what I'm looking for most of the time, because I think that's at the core about being human and being relatable. So in so many ways, Rodney Atkins, are you telling me that with all of the nominations, all of the awards, all the notoriety and the number one hits and the sellouts that you've gone through hell, you've had bad times in your life. You've had to sit there and be like, I'm in a dark spot. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. Like <clears throat> there's a lot of times in our lives where I have faced adversity to where, man, it's like tough. Like, but then I talk to people like, it's okay. Darkness is okay. Loneliness is okay because you can get through it. And then the brightness or the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever the sayings are, it, it can be okay, but you got to get through it. Right. Like, have you faced adversity? Have you faced tough times, Rodney? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's, if you're just talking about when I was born, uh, you know, I was surrendered to the state, taken into an orphanage. Um, I was in foster care. I was adopted like three times and I'd be adopted and returned. I was pretty sick when I was little. I, I think they said I had a respiratory staph infection, which for me to be a singer now really makes no sense. Um, from what I understand, I, because of the staph infection, I couldn't be touched. They had to wear gloves to touch me. Um, knowing that I went through that sort of made me a little bit I think stronger on the other end. Um, there have been all kinds of situations. I mean, from, yeah, I signed my record deal in 96. I didn't have a hit till 2006. It was a decade of just keep <laughs> making that brick right and then move to the next one and don't get caught up in everything else. Um, but absolutely, you know, that I, I've many times had going through hell go through my mind. Um, many, many times. During the pandemic. That, <laughs> the pandemic. pandemic. During that, that stretch, when you're becoming, you know, a recording artist, and you, you, you're born in East Tennessee, correct? Mm -hmm. And you moved to Nashville to become an artist? Uh, kind of, or did you stay out of that? Yeah, so I, 
out of high school, I went to a junior college. I played baseball for a couple of years at Walter State Junior College, Morristown. Uh, that's near Knoxville. Then I moved to Cookville and went to Tennessee Tech. I think I was secretly trying to get closer to Nashville. Um, and then I finally moved there. I didn't move to Nashville till 2008. After the uh, first, after the first big records out. Yeah, yeah. Just, I was doing that drive. I was I was deliver. I was living in Baxter. Excuse me, and uh, was cutting firewood. I loaded on a flatbed, drive it to Nashville, deliver it somewhere, pull that flatbed near Music Row, drop it, drive my truck, write songs, hook it back up, take it back to Baxter. Uh, I mean, one of my customers was, was Alan Jackson back then. Really? Yep. Was he out in Brentwood at the time? He was, yeah, near that that area, yeah. It oh, was a trip because I delivered firewood in December of, no, it was November of 2005. If you're going through hell, came out of January, and then I was standing on his bus doing a show with him in April, I think. And just talking about that. He goes, yeah, man. Yeah, I know you brought that firewood out there at the house. <laughs> Do you we still- sounded a lot like King of the Hill talking to each other. <laughs> Do you still talk? Do you still talk to AJ? I hadn't talked to him in a long time, but he has been uh, just – he's so kind. He's a gentle giant, man. He is a, just, he's just a down-to-earth dude. He's shy. Speaking of, speaking of the gentle giant, that reminds me of Don Williams, rest in peace. Who do you listen to, Ronnie? If you're laying around the swimming pool on a Saturday, or if you're just relaxing with your wife, who we're going to talk about in a second, who is she's amazing. Uh, who do you listen to? Who do you like? I want you to talk about your influences a little bit, Rodney Atkins. Are you an outlaw fan? Are you a Texas music fan? Are you a Robert Earl King guy? Are you Waylon? Are you David Allen Cobb, who do you like today also? Who do you like to listen to? Hmm. So growing up, I'd say one of the most influential. So so what happened was I went, they had this flea market near where I grew up. And um, we'd go there on Saturdays. And somehow I got this bootleg eight track that had Charlie Daniels, Alabama and four and four all on that one eight track. And uh, I had this little crappy eight track player, but I listened to it on repeat over and over and over. And when you listen to kind of what I do, it's kind of reminiscent of those three things. I love Charlie Daniels as a kid. My parents said when I was like five, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up a baseball player or whatever? I said, how do you get to be Charlie Daniels? And uh, that is probably my biggest influence as a human, not just musically, but that dude, I don't know if, you, if you've ever, you ever got to speak with him. He had a gift when he talked to you. He made you feel like you're the only person in the world. And uh, obviously the stuff he's done with the military, I've, I've tried to follow in his footsteps with a lot of things. And uh, that's the number one influence for me. But I listened to all kinds of music as a kid. I remember listening to uh, Charlie Rich, um, like Ray Charles, Modern Sounds and Country Western Music. That album crushed me as a kid. That came out years before, like 64. I was born in 69. And I listened to that thing over and over. I didn't know what color of skin was. It didn't matter. I just love the music. And uh, obviously, George Jones and Merle loved Waylon, Johnny Cash. Um, then when I guess Dwight Yoakam and Randy Travis hit the scene in the mid-'80s, it, that's when I started playing guitar and trying to actually play some songs. Um, then Garth, oh, man. Garth is another dude that is on his ability, his people skills are insane. He just, he's, it's a gift, man. He, he, he's a special dude. He's always been over the top with me. 
Because a lot of times you would think somebody that would be a, a Charlie Daniels or a Garth Brooks would be hello and on to the next because they ain't got yeah. time for you, but they make you feel like, wow, you really do care about me. And then it just makes you invest in them even more as a person. Um, Travis Trick came on here a couple about a month and a half ago and told a story about one of his first gigs. And he was in this little like a hut for a dressing room, a green room. And Charlie Daniels was going to be the headliner that night. He came in there and he goes, what is this? And, and Travis is like, this is our dressing room with his band. And Charlie's like, follow me. And he had them all follow me, opened up these big double doors. And Travis is like, whoa, like, and what is this? And Charlie's like, well, this is my dressing room, but now it's yours. And he let them come in there and use it like it was his own. Yeah, like man. it was Travis's own. So like you hear that a lot and you talk about like what a great person he was and what the volunteer jam does now. And, and, and I mean, you can't not be a Charlie Daniels fan. I mean, I know that there was a transition in his life to where he kind of got away from saying some of the words in the original recordings to be in more, you know, spiritual and, and, and sure. religious. But as far as like what he did to form lives like yours or mine, Holy smokes, he was unfreaking believable. Like, on a different on a different level when you mentioned a song about um a line in one of your songs that makes me realize how much i need to slow down in life and what you said before was be present my daughter's 10 yesterday she was two it's like crazy right but there's a line in one of your songs of, of on dirt road that says if it's gonna be a traffic jam it better be a tractor jam like <laughs> this this shit's like on a different level of cool right that's swagger right there like that's so neat to know to picture that road of tractors backed up right but it also tells me of like that that part of life that slowdown um do you live life like that now to where you're a slowdown guy or is your foot on the gas because you want to get to the next show or you want to get to the next writing session or the next part of your career, or are you, have you learned through maturity to be in that, tr that tractor jam and just slow down and, and pump the brakes a little bit? No, I'm absolutely, I got snail gear, man. Just like on a tractor. <laughs> That's me. I'm just slow and steady. Keep it's I, I, a long time ago. I learned if uh, kind of every day is like a concert. If I try to, if I'm singing this song, I'm singing, I don't know, Farmer's Daughter, but I'm thinking about take a back road, a note that I got to hit at the end of that song. Man, this moment gets really just thin. I'm just not there. You want it to be wide. You want it to be all focused on where you are. And so I, I'm trying to be that way every day. Um, and obviously, yeah, I get frustrated if I have to hurry up and just rush through anything. Um, I, I usually wake up at about 4 a.m. just so I can start slowly. <laughs> How long after you wake up, Rodney Atkins, do you touch your phone? That's a tricky one because I, I do get my phone, but I, I, that's where my Bible is. My wife takes my Bible, loses it all over the place. But uh, I usually spend first thing in the morning just doing that, just reading, um, just being still. And then if I'm working on a record, that's usually about 5, 5.30. That's when I usually like to sing is early. Other than that, I don't, I don't, I'm horrible with my phone. So you're not on it a bunch or you are? No, I'm no, I'm not. Good for you. There's a song that we haven't touched on yet, and I want your opinion on this, or you might know the answer to this. In today's climate of every of the separation and politics and pandemic and this and that, and I mean it's crazy out there. It really is. This is no pity party, this is no drama. It's nuts. Does it is. Does sitting here cleaning my gun do what it did in 09? Does it do it today with the way country radio is or the way that the world is? That's a great question because I've thought many times there's no way that song would be a hit right now with all the, you know, over seriousness happening out there. I'm so grateful that, A, I stuck to my guns on it to get the label to, to release it. 
Um, I think, I still believe that there are more of us than there are of them out there, <laughs> that people still uh, get that that song's a joke. That it's having a freaking sense of him. That's an intel. I didn't write that song first. Um, a good buddy of mine, the, the first guy I ever met in Nashville, Casey Bathard, Marla Cannon wrote that song. Um, and I still believe that they wrote, that's one of the most intelligently written songs I've ever heard. When he starts, how many songs about, the Gettysburg Address and the Declaration of Independence and all the things that it talks about. It's just, it's a, it's a very well-written song. Um, I saw a while, it's been a few years now, somebody, it was a pro golfer that posted a picture of his daughter going to the prom maybe. And he, it's him and his daughter and maybe her date and he's holding a shotgun. As a joke, he caught pure hell over that. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame, man. It's a shame. I mean, how many times have I heard growing up of like, you mean, being a boy and you go to a girl's house, you'd hear, I ain't afraid to go back to prison. Or, yeah. or hey, just bring her back. I'll, I'm going to be, you know, I'll have my guns ready. I, I, I don't own enough guns. You know, you always heard it. But that song was so well done. And by the way, Casey's career, I mean, he's blowing up as a songwriter. And very yeah, he's been- He's been songwriter of the year over and over and over. Oh, I just no. recorded a new one of his tunes uh, on my solo stuff that I think is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. I just recorded, just actually did the vocals on. Dang it! I wish you had a guitar so I could hear it. <laughs> someday, um, someday I'm gonna listen listen to you on here play the guitar and sing a song. But that that song about that the Gettysburg Address and all, I mean, that's what we need. We, we, we have to understand that it's a joke, but it also, we have to understand the, the part of respect that goes in to the way I look at it now is like, man, maybe I wasn't as respectful to the daughter of this man as I should have been. Cause now I have a daughter and everybody that comes into my life now, Robbie, I can say the same thing. Oh, it's about your turn. Oh, it's going to, you know, it's it, karma. It, karma's, karma's going to get you belding. And I'm like, Oh God. And the, what do I say very first? I own a lot of guns and I just play that song for him. Like, come on in. Like when you hear your voice on that song, it's like, well, that kid had to be intimidated as shit for a minute. Well, for, for me. So when I was 16, actually where I grew up, for some reason we all started driving like at 15. <laughs> um, and I went to call on a girl and I pulled in her driveway, long gravel driveway, and standing there was her six foot four Kentucky coal miner old man. And he was standing there with a 357 shooting bottle caps from like 30 yards away. I mean, he had four arms like Popeye. When I pulled in that driveway, that's what he was doing. Um, scared me to death. And uh, he talked to me, you know. And So that song is just, it's real. He's the same guy that taught me how to play guitar, actually, eventually. He's the dude that would sit on the front porch. And so the girl broke my heart, which that was a good thing because she made me want to write songs. Um, it was just a super talented family, and we we would go. That's where I started playing musicals with them. But her dad did that to me, what that song says. It's just real. Every boy needs to experience that. 100%. 100% couldn't agree more. And I don't know if I ever did, but I promise you that the way my dad and mom raised me was to respect women. I mean, we're, we weren't allowed to cuss around mom. We weren't allowed to spit. We, we'd go into a restaurant, and if the booth next to us was dropping the F-bomb too many times, Pops was up and out of the seat and telling him, hey, my wife didn't come here to eat her grand slam and listen to that kind of language. You know, like that's what the world's missing, right? Because everybody's unaccountable now. Nobody is gets punched in the face anymore for being disrespectful to a lady or somebody's daughter or 
a grandma or the elderly. Like it's just a free for all, in my opinion, a lot of the time. And I know there's more of us than there are them, but I see it a lot. I was in line at the county fair a couple in middle of June for the Reno Rodeo. And I was standing there with my 10-year-old, and she's got way more guts than me to ride these rides she's willing to go on. And there's four teenagers standing right behind us, Rodney, and they're dropping the F-bomb like it's going out of crate, like it's going out of style. And I'm just like, man, just there's a time and a place for everything. And everybody's like, well, it's not your position to say something. Well, with my daughters there, I don't want her hearing that. But we have the right to be in that line. So it's a sticky situation about respect and about being able to get that message through. But why? I, I say the F word. I'm not afraid to admit it, but I would never say it where I'm not supposed to. You know, I don't want to be that guy. There's you got to know, like you said, people skills. You, you, you don't come in blazing all the time with an F-bomb if there's a chance you're going to offend somebody. And a Denny's for sure is not the place for a bunch of F-words to be spoken, <laughs> right? So I think I think that it's uh, the song is so well done. And whether you wrote it or not, the way you delivered it, I mean, it's it's a freaking – it's a legacy song. It's going to be listened to for decades, right? Thanks, man. I, I, but again – that's a relevant song. I feel like it will be relevant 30 years from now, you know. Um, it's amazing that it wasn't recorded 30 years before you did it, right? It, uh, when I first heard it, it was so slow. <laughs> and I tried playing that song live, and it didn't do anything. It just, <laughs> nothing happened. It's playing a fair, like in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is morbid. And played it again. I was down in Texas, and a radio program director just had a daughter. I said, I want to try this. this is a new song. Try it out on you. And the dude, my drummer, was playing a trash can. And uh, he, he was going way too fast. We wound up playing it really, 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 really fast. But it worked. So I realized, oh, that's the problem. We need to speed it up. So that's how it got to where it is. Just ramp it up. And it works, man. I, every song that we've talked about, and that's the thing about an album, is that there's so many other good songs on it. That I don't always want to make it to where your hits you know, just overshadow all of the great songs that you've released. There's so many of them, and they continue to be released by you. Do you... Are you an album listener to where you always were end to end or were you a hits guy? So no albums in my, one of the things people ask me, what do you think about the music business now and how things are with the digital world part? I think it's great that you can give people access to your music instantly you can write a song today and it will be available tomorrow. Crowds will be singing it with you in two days. But the, the biggest blow, I think, for careers is for an artist to be able to do a... If you go back to these artists that you love, you love, and you feel like you know them, you know how they are, you know them personally, it's not because of a greatest hits album most of the time. It's because you discovered... And an album that you got to know, like for me, I fortunately came along at a time when you could do that. For me, it was going through hell. That album, people knew me. It had four number one songs and it had tunes that people could relate to. And so people got to know me without a greatest hits album. And I could build a live show. Now it's one song. And then they don't get to know you and it takes, I don't know, 50 weeks or something for a song to get on the charts for most artists. There are a few that go up and down the chart, but pretty much it takes 50 weeks for your song to get released, go from 70 to 30 to 20 to 10, if you're lucky, higher. But to get in that top 10 world, where people actually get to hear it. Um, and so that's a year gone by. Then it'll take another year to get another one to do that, if you're lucky. And so people don't get to build, really build live shows, or build a career 
the whole thing of having an album and knowing it. Like for Garth Brooks, my favorite songs by Garth were actually album cuts. Um, that's one thing that I think takes a hit because I do believe that the album, just a pure album, not a greatest hits again. Because uh, greatest hits is a way to fill time really, in your career somewhere. Um, but in your God bless, I'm so thankful I got to have a greatest hits album. That blew my doors off when I got to have one. Um, but I do think albums are important to get to know. If you go back to those rock bands that you love, Aerosmith, Rush, and whatever, it was an album. Tom Petty wasn't the greatest hits. Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses, that's all they ever needed to be put out in 1986, 87. But that's, I, that's, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the, the idea of the, just the producer of an album, the way an album's put together, the way the songs go in and out and are sewn up, and it, it, it takes you on this journey and this experience. It's supposed to. And, yeah. and you just don't get that anymore. It's playlists and it's, it's, it's whatever it is that you hear a Rodney one song. song. One song. One song, yeah. Then you go see this person and they're singing cover songs the whole time. Yeah. They're singing that song and maybe another one and a bunch of cover songs. And that, you don't build that. It's a live show. You're trying to build a career because that's how you make a living doing this is going out there, going out here where I am. You're successful in life and a lot of success comes off of being what we call goal orientated in my opinion it's cool to set goals short-term goals mid-term goals long-term goals in you in your position where you're at you said you were born in 1969 1996 first record label 2006 first hit a whole decade without really shit going on according to your uh, what you say where you sit right now is it your goal to have a number another number one That's a goal. Sure. Not my goal, but that that's definitely a goal. Um, I, but it's beyond that, man. It's about continuing to be relevant. It's, it's about, I'm not interested really in just putting a song out there and just, go up the charts and go down the charts. I want something that means something to people. Uh, something that has staying power. That You said Farmer's Daughter was not a number one song, so I'll take that any day over a number one that nobody remembers. Heck yes. Which brings me to, <clears throat> have you heard of this artist, Rose Falcon? I have. <laughs> well you married her in 2013 and then is it tomorrow or next friday you guys have the r&r project rodney and rose coming out yep. and am i allowed to say that i heard a sneak peek of this rodney absolutely yeah they're starting to starting to trickle out there a little bit being um, here friday, yeah. being here being there okay you wrote this with rose mm-hmm the first three lines of this song are absolutely unbelievable. The whole song is, but I had never heard the song until a mutual friend of ours, Ben sent it to me today. And I was able to get a sneak peek of it. The first three lines blow your, like they're amazing. Like it just brings you in like a Rodney Atkins song does before you even hear Rose's voice. You're already in that Rodney Atkins train ride again. You're already, Oh shit. He's got me again. That's, that's exactly how I felt when I heard it. Do you, the first three lines though, can you, can you, you don't need to sing them, but can you tell me how you wrote them and what they are? Because I'm telling you, this shit hits hard. Well, as we're going through that old pandemic, and, you know, so what happened with briefly with Rose and I, we were asked to do this streaming online event called Unite. And it was uh, pretty much people from around the world. Um, they would go to different people for 10 minutes. If you're a singer, you sing a song. If you're a comedian, you tell a joke. Magician, you do a trick, you speak, or whatever. All around the world, just a, they, they called it a worldwide hug for everybody during the pandemic. So they asked us to sing a song together. And so we were trying to record the video for it. And the kids were in there crying and making racket. 
So she went and got our youngest uh, scout, held him. She's giving him a bottle. We, the video's out there of her song called Figure Out You. And uh, she's holding him. We sing the song together. And then after we did it for that, they put it up on, I guess, Facebook or YouTube or something. And it, like, as they say, went viral. The record label, head of the record label called me, Mike Kerb, and said, you should do a duo project together. Not just sing songs with your wife, but a legit duo project. So we loved that. So we decided to start working on it, and we sat, we went to write. Um, and I walked into the room with, if today was a fish, I'd throw it back. <laughs> and just said it like it was, it was kind of a shitty day. And they laughed, and I said, that's what we need to write. We need to write something like that that's relatable, but has a sense of humor with it. And then she had the line about, you can bet your ass I got your back. And I'm like, okay, if we can just capture her personality and then what I do, whatever that is, and that's how this song came to be. If this, so doesn't, if this doesn't make couples that, you know, you hear these stories about, divorce and, and breakup and couples know it like man we're we're stagnant couples know like couples know like this just isn't going to last we're going to wait till the kids get out of out of the house and school and then this is man yeah. if, if 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 every freaking marriage counselor in the country takes this song and lets this couple listen to it that's going through hell no <laughs> pun intended absolutely this is this is a worth fighting for song that's marriage is not about blue skies and no bills, man. That ain't how you love somebody more. It's about that saying I'm there no matter what. That's the deal. I'm in no matter what you're forgiven before you do it. You have to have that mentality, man, because life's hard enough and to have a partner to go through it together and know they're there is that's kind of everything. Do you, when you, hear this song which I can't, I can't wait, wait for you to hear the other songs as well there's I can't wait loaded with this is a whole project coming out on our Rodney and Rose this is a whole pro album yeah. right it's a, it's a, what they call an EP, but an EP. So Extend, extended play five songs and we just actually wrote uh, we just did a couple of Christmas songs to fill in the holiday gap as well I'll send you some of it Oh, I would love to hear it. And I would love to see it live. Like, uh, you know, there's been other couples that have done this kind of thing. Like Kenny and Dolly weren't really a couple, but that's probably the most magic ever on a, on a duet kind of stage of islands in the stream. Like I could hear you and Rose doing islands in the stream. Like that's like, there's just songs out there. Like that song will never go away in the history of the world. Right. And this is one of those songs because it's going to be a worth fighting for song, which there's too much give up in the world. I just, right before you came on here today, Ronnie, I know that we both share a pretty good vibe with the UFC and MMA. You're a fan like I'm a fan. The night I met you, you were wearing one of the baddest ass original UFC shirts that I've ever seen. Um, I had TJ Dillashaw on here right before this for the, you know, he's been on here a few times and he just can't, his, his comeback fight, he fought, you know, a badass. He, and, uh, won it in a five-round split decision. You know, he came off a two-year suspension, fought a, the number one contender, and all we talked about for an hour was how not to give up. Well, this song is a don't give in. Don't cash in your chips. Like, it ain't. It, some things are worth freaking fighting for. We give up too easy in this world these days. It's too easy just to go on the, the grass is greener on the other side and I can find something better. Bullshit. It ain't about that. I, I think you're probably the same way as I'm really not worth shit when I'm comfortable. Yep. Just not. You just. What's the excitement of that? Man? It's when you're uncomfortable that you actually get stuff done. It's when you're motivated. Um, and again, this song fits that whole category of kind of go through some kind of tough situation. You push through it, and it's worthwhile. It matches all those other things that I've recorded in the past, and. M- Pretty much this whole project is is about that. It's about those things, real life, being with your best friend and 
you know, that's the deal. There's no, there's no getting out. There's no leaving. You're here. Might as well make the most of it. Might as well laugh. And some of us need a second chance to do that. Some of us do. Some, I'm glad. I'm happy to admit it. You know, I made mistakes in my life. And if you get a second chance, now we're on to something, man, because this is where this, you know, you might be allotted that second chance. Forgiveness, maturity, growth. You get a second chance and you find you're lucky enough to find another quote unquote partner. Man, you got to really start thinking about songs like this and. Your career has been one like I started off, Rodney, like your career is so meaningful. And I don't even know if it was how it was planned out. But like what you just said and how that song is regrouped back to all these other songs that have like the you work hard, you get the farmer's daughter. Right. Dad, I've been watching you. You have these themes that go on and this song reverts back to never give up song. A lot of those have going through hell. Don't give up, man. Don't give up that that the career is so well played out with dignity and class and. The execution has been unbelievable because the voice is there, the delivery's there, the songwriting's there, the albums are there, the number one hits are there, the nominations are there. Like, what more could you ask for in life? Now you have a, you have your family, you have your friends, you have your farms, you have your outdoors, you have your hunting, you have your cooking. This is freaking life. Your career is life, man. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and it's it's you talk about giving a second chance. You know, I went through a horrible horrible divorce awful and none of it made sense but you get through it and that was when I met Rose after that was behind me then oh so now things start making a little bit more sense um you just keep your head up and keep trying to do the right thing moving forward and when you and when life does present you that you know it's it's pretty amazing. Said so, no. Oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. I didn't love realize it. that. So where? Uh, what's next? We we're gonna find you on some. Uh, you're touring right now. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are. Hopefully, we keep playing, man. Hopefully, with this this craziness. Um. Thank God we're getting to be out there, and people are getting to. Uh, just to to be to get to go into these communities. And being like the first event that they have, you get to come in and play. It's incredible. Folks are so grateful to get to come back out and and be around humans. And uh, I just hope it keeps going. We did have one show. um, I can't remember when it was. It's in October, maybe. It just got moved to next year. But other than that, pretty much we're chugging right along and making plans for we're going to do a other uh, Armed Forces Entertainment planning next year. I think we're going to go to, if possible, to Turkey and Italy, I know, um, play for the troops. So we're planning on you know, just staying after it, man. Um, it's, well, I can't wait to see As, as I say, the armed forces thing, my mind goes to all these soldiers, all these Marines that I met in Afghanistan uh, with this whole thing going down. It's, it's tragic. So sad. I feel for them so much knowing how much they dudes that I met in Kabul. Special Forces guy, best in the world. And uh, it's it's so tough. It's tough for them. My heart just goes out to them and their families that are having to kind of swallow this right now. It's crazy. It is crazy to me, too, and I'm all... We keep them in our thoughts and prayers. I mean, we're nothing without our military, man. Let's just be honest. We we have the best lives in the world because of those men and women and who serve this country, who've perished in theater and in war. And military is everything. And I think that it's first and foremost, you know, needs to be put out there of, of who they are and what they mean to us. And I hate seeing it, too. It just, I mean, it, it's irritating. It's, it's anger. It's like all these emotions going through your body. But... You got to write a song about it, Rodney. You got to get us back on that Rodney Atkins train and, and bring well, us we, in. 
folks ask me, man, where's your favorite show? What's the your favorite place to play? Pretty much anywhere people show up and sing along. But some of the most memorable shows, man, were not big productions, not arenas or, you know, 20,000 people or 50 or 100,000 people. It's with a, we having a guitar in the middle of Afghanistan with about 200 Marines, some army medics, and just sitting around just a guitar playing. And uh, that thing of, you forget where you are. It's, it's crazy to be in that situation, forgetting where you are. They're singing, it's America at a fob somewhere in Afghanistan, man. That's some of the most magic times I've ever chills now. And you know uh, what's the best about it is that you didn't get 2,000, 4,000, 10,000 likes on that picture you just painted. That's, that's what I love about your music and the timing of it and the stories you tell through it is that I don't care about likes. I care about what you just explained. Like, holy shit, can you imagine being you with that guitar and having all those eyeballs and they're paying homage to you and you're sitting there giving thanks back to them for what they do through song and story? Like, what a career, man. That's freaking rad. The first time I went to Afghanistan, um, so I played, I would go to like the main larger base. First time it was a place called Camp Leatherneck, Marines. Uh, actually, there were troops from all around the world there. It was mostly Marines. Um, and they would pick me up in the dark in, in a, some kind of a chopper or through an Osprey a lot. That's the thing that is like a helicopter. It lifts up, but then the rotors turn and then it flies. Um, I would get dropped in the dark at some FOB, a forward operating base, middle of nowhere out there. And I, I was playing a place called FOB Olay. And it was raining and nasty and muddy and freezing cold. Uh, I'd just kind of walk around and talk to folks. Then I'd started playing It's America. And now I can't sing It's America without thinking about it. I was playing... It's high school prom, Springsteen song, it's right in Chevrolet. And an ID went off like a mile away. Arms went off, army medics took off, picked up the soldier. They said, keep playing. Uh, okay. So I played, finished. They had brought the, the Marine back, amputated his leg, had to send, was sending him to Germany to get more treatment. And the medics came back out, kind of cleaned up, and they said, we missed the concert. Can you play for us? And so, well, of course. So I went to the medic tent. They're cleaning up, and I'm sitting there playing these songs again. And every time I sing that song, I, I, can, I can hear that. So I can't imagine what they go through yeah. at home. Just do it. Earth-shaking feeling. It, it's real. It becomes more real. So awesome that you get to go over and do that. Freaking awesome. And now you, you'll never, they'll never forget that night either, though. I guarantee you that they've never quit listening to your music. It's crazy. They liked when we came because they airdropped steaks to them out there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, they're eating like hamburger helper and stuff. So remind us one more time, Rodney Atkins, Rod and Rose, being here, being there, your first single is going to be released when? Friday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, baby. And, and there's more tunes to follow. I think we're going to have the – we did sort of video, lyric video, where it's a video and a and the lyric thing. Just, uh, it'll all be out there tomorrow, man. I think they're real songs. There's not – there's not any bubble gum in there. They're real tunes for. I can't uh, freaking wait. Not yeah. just couples, but they're just real. It's about when you have a kick-ass best friend, significant other, man. Well, congrats! I'm proud for you. And if you can, please text me a couple of those tunes. Absolutely, man. 
Rodney, you are the freaking man. I'm so glad you came on. I'm a huge fan of you and your career, your songs, your lyrics. Congratulations on a great career so far, my man. I know there's a, the best is yet to come, probably. Yeah, it's a, it's a blast, man. I'm excited about this. And like I said, I've got some of the best songs I think I've ever heard in my life that we're working on now. Excited for it to be out there. And we got to get in the woods or on the water sometime, brother. I'm going to be sending you some dates. I can't wait to get in the duck blind with you and your son. Um, yeah, send me those songs. I'll talk to you as soon as we get off of here. I'm going to end it like that. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, the freaking one and only Rodney Atkins. What a freaking badass when it comes to singing, songwriting, living life the way it was meant to be lived, giving back to our military and our first responders. Thank you, Rodney Atkins. Any closing words, my man? Stood. You know, special, special good thoughts, prayers sent out to all the men and women at home and abroad defending us. Can't say it better myself. Jack Daniels, thank you for believing in us. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Can we, Mr. Rodney Atkins, I get publishing rights and all that, but can we go out with the Rodney Atkins song to can we do one to go take us out of this podcast? Not live. I'm talking about just a recorded one. Absolutely. Let's come up with one together. What do you want to hear? I'm a hunter. Cleaning this gun is good, but America, I mean, what do we go out with? Hmm. First thing come to mind with your ass is take a back road. This is Take a Back Road by the one and only Rodney Atkins. Thank you all for listening. Tom and Jake, hit that button. Rodney Atkins, take a back road. Makes me want to take a back road.